thank God for tonight. And I thank God for each of your lives. I thank God for yesterday. And I thank God for more for even tomorrow. And I thank God for this moment. For in this moment in time, God would allow us to touch eternity. For he has planted in our hearts the seed of the eternal word. May we wake up to look more like him. The Lord be magnified in the midst of his people. His voice be heard in the midst of his people. His presence change that which we long for. May we be brought to his feet only but to worship. We give you thanks, O God. We give you praise. And the people of God said, Amen. And the people of God said, Amen. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. Man of God, once again, thank you. Thank you for receiving us and opening this assembly to us. I don't take it for granted because we live in times where a mere 45 minutes in the pulpit can derail generations of work that has been done. So I don't take it for granted. In all humility, I pledge to only add to the work that you have been doing here for a long time. That at the end of it, everyone would have been drawn deeper into God, been made stronger, that your faith will become sharper and you'll be more determined to run the course that is set before you because you will be standing on the shoulders of others. So thank you for asking us to come. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you choir. Thank you instrumentalists and thank you Tabernacle of David. Amen. Yesterday we set out and scratched on the surface of the subject obedience into blessing. And I began by emphasizing what it is that is the import of our obedience. The real essence of our obedience. And so I focused on the person of the word of God. For every believer has but to obey the word of God and the God of his word. Amen. And we saw how from the scripture, God has declared that in times past, <clears throat> he spoke by prophets, he spoke by fathers, he spoke by different means. But in these last days, he is speaking to us and to our generation <clears throat> by his son. The one by whom he created all things. Amen. And it is important for us 
to gain deeper understanding in what it is we are engaging with. So if you would put up for us 1st John 1st John and chapter 1 verses 1, 2 and 3 and this is how he begins it and he says that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes and which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested to us then he says that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son there is a process of establishment in this scripture quite apart from he describing that which was from the beginning as being the word of God. He says it's the word of life. He says it's eternal life. The one thing, the word of God, is the word of life and is eternal life. And the life was manifested. And he says this life that we have engaged with and describes how they engage with the word. They looked upon the word. They handled the word. They heard the word. They embraced the word. And they began declaring the same life of the word. And as they did this, they said all of this is because in engaging with the word, we have fellowship with the father and with his son. Brother and sister, in the process of obedience and coming to blessing, there is one facility that is cardinal in all of our Christian walk, relationship and fellowship. Shall I repeat that? Relationship and fellowship. Let's read it again slowly from the verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He calls it that which was from the beginning. He calls it, it is a word of life. And he says, the life, that which was in the beginning is a life. That which was manifested is a life. And he says, we have seen the life. We bear witness of that life. And we declare that to you. And he describes it as what? That eternal life. Eternal life is not that which we enter into after we die. Turn to your brother and say, brother. Say, brother. I know what I'm saying. Say, brother. That is an exercise in obedience. 
He says, say brother, you are saying sister. Oh. I am not blind yet. I know there are brothers and sisters here. I say, say brother. Abbey. Believers. We know more than God. Say brother, you are saying sister. Abba. Do you know what I will say next? This is a practical exercise in obedience. Hello. Say brother. Now you are working. Hey. <laughs> Reverend, do you, do you get the picture? Uh, I realize how sometimes I thought I knew more than God. So say brother. My friend. My sister. Eternal life. It's not after you have died and been buried. It is the life of God that is, that was, and will be forever. That is now planted in you. So whilst you live in this body, there is another life within you. And your obedience is to feed out of that life. The moment you have that life, you know, you know that death has no threat. You see, because you begin to discover that what we call death is a door. Becomes a door. Because you are alive. There is nothing that can kill you. There is nothing that can cause you to die. You already were dead in Christ. This body is only a house. But you live in this house. Brother, right now your house is there, is it not? It is empty. You are here. When you leave this house, you still move on. You still have your relationship with your father. Let us understand some simple, practical, spiritual things. It is this realization of truth that made our brethren, some of them, according to Hebrews chapter 11, he says, and when they were threatened with death, they refused by faith, they refused deliverance. Preferring a better resurrection. Because they understood something. This was why Moses, according to scripture, when he came of age, by faith, refused the riches of Egypt, the glory of Egypt, because he chose the reproach of Christ. Why? He saw his life way beyond the manifestation of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. He saw himself. So Moses was living over a thousand years before Jesus Christ. But he was seeing a thousand years ahead. He knew that his body would give up. But he himself. God did not come wasting time to raise a people who would be alive 
for 35 years, 72 years, 120 years, and then that is all. God raised up a people like himself who would live and live and live and they would have fellowship with him. People, are you getting this? When you begin to understand this, then the mundane temporary things around us do not wield the same kind of threat anymore. Please give us, we'll come back to First John, but please give us Hebrews chapter 2 and take us to from the verse 12. Saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing your praise. 13. And again, and again, here I am. And the children whom God has given me. Next. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is devil after doing that what is the result and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage people shall we read it again he tasted flesh and blood for his brethren so that the one who was using the fear of death to hold us captive will be defeated. And when he was defeated, he says, now he has released. He has released. He has released. He has released those who were in bondage because of fear of death. You are released. You are not listening. I say you are released. You see, this body, this body must return to where it was taken from. Understand that truth. Hello? Your spirit came from somewhere. You, it must go back to where it was taken from. Hello? Your body is giving you for function here for a season. That is it. Do not equate the passage of your time here with generation of your life. No. They are two different things. They are two different things. You must become aware of who you are in God by God. More than you are aware of what you are in flesh and blood. The more you gain understanding in who you are, the more humble you are and more prepared you are to obey. Come what may. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He tasted flesh and blood like we have tasted. So the life of this flesh is in the blood. But there is another life beyond the life of the blood. So that a woman once in an accident had lost 
almost everything in her body. She was in coma for 13 months. In those 13 months, they were like three days in heaven. There were five of them in the accident. Four were all ministers. She was the only one who wasn't a minister. When the accident hit, every one of them died on the spot. She was so badly wounded, they didn't think she would make it. But for 13 months, she was in hospital. How she managed to get her blood back, I don't know. But when she woke up, she says, these are the things I saw. Someone came and ministered to me in the hospital there. I was there for three days. They said, what are you talking about? This is 13 months. It is another life. I say it is another life. People, are you getting it? It is another life. Another life. A completely different light. So going back to John. He says, that which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Another life. Which we have seen. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Concerning the word of life. Our greatest challenge in this time is that believers have the record of God's opinion concerning us. And yet, we have not woken up to believe the God of the Word and the Word of God. That is our biggest challenge. I'm told of an interesting story where a certain church, like you are located now, was located along a street and opposite the street there was a pub. They sold and smoked everything, anything. And they were loud and completely found the church at their beck and call. So they began to pray and they prayed and they prayed and said, God, shut it down. And some of the people in the pub heard their prayer. It didn't take long. The pub was shut down. Then the pub owner decided to take the church to court because it was their prayer that had closed down the pub. When they got to court, then the judge said, what is your case? He says, judge, I am suing them because they have destroyed my business. He said, how did they destroy your business? It's because they prayed and my business is destroyed. And then the judge says, how do you plead? They said, ah, we didn't do anything. And the judge says, now I'm confused. The unbeliever believes your prayer was answered. And you, the one praying the prayer, you don't know who. Hello. Hello. He says that our hands have handled of the word of life. He says that, verse 2. Give me the verse 2. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life. What is the name of that eternal life? The word of God. Which was with the Father 
and was manifested to us. May the word be manifested to you. People, are you listening? May the word be manifested to you. In these days and beyond, may you read scripture in a book. Can I use your, you know, when you hold the book, this is a book. As you read and read and read, may the life be manifested. May eternal life be manifested. So it's no longer a book you are reading, but you are receiving a life. You are feeding and fellowshipping with a life. So it no longer becomes a ritual of having my devotion, reading my Bible. You are fellowshipping with a life. May the word be manifested. That which was with the Father, may it be manifested to you. Feely, feely, gani, gani, gafi, gadochi. Manifested. Manifested. Its power, his energy, his wisdom, his knowledge, his creativity, his ability may be manifested to you. Verse 3. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you so that, so that you also may fellowship with us. People in the body of Christ, and I'll jump here back to Luke. You see, in the Luke chapter 11, Jesus was preaching and got to a point before he made that statement in verse 28. He said, A kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. A house divided against itself shall not stand. So when in the body of Christ, when in the body of Christ, one is obeying, the other is not obeying. One is following, the other is not following. Yet we are all in the body. What does that make us? A house divided against itself. And the singular currency of the body is obedience. In Ghana, we use CD. In other places, they use pounds, or yen, or dollars, or kwachas, or rupees, or rubies. Whichever one it is. But the currency of the kingdom is obedience. He says, okay, please come back to First John for me. Thank you. That your fellowship may be with us. And truly, our fellowship, our fellowship is with who? And with his Jesus Christ. So the Son Jesus Christ is the life. The Son Jesus Christ is the eternal life. The same Son Jesus Christ is the Word of God. The same Son Jesus Christ is the life that was manifested. The record... Chief, your names are? Brother Quarty, wonderful. You guys know Brother Quarty. I only remember him because he seemed to sit in the same spot. You know? 
you understand? He seems to, he seems to enjoy the same spot. All right? And you guys have interacted and related with him for some time. When anyone begins to tell me about the character, the tenacity, the passion, the consistency, his diligence, his punctuality of this man, and how long he has been here, my perceptions about him will change. Hello? Hello? You, you get how it goes. He says, we declare to you the character of the word. We declare to you the faithfulness of the word. We testify of the life of the word. We testify of this about the word, that about the word, so that you also may come into fellowship with us. Hello. How come is it that those who scum us manage to do it? Because they get somebody whom we partially trust to tell us about them or something that resembles the truth so we can place confidence in it. Obedience is the other side of the coin of faith. Thank you, sir. Today, I want us to look at getting his will done. Yesterday, we were looking at his speaking to us by his son. Now we are looking the issue of obedience, getting his will done. Yes? Okay. So let us look at these scriptures. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above, you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. In verse 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, just a brief history, Cyrus, king of Persia, arrives on the scene after Darius, king of Persia and Medes. And before Darius, there was another king. And before that other king, there was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and all of that. Hello. So kingdoms were shifting. And under Nebuchadnezzar, God had given a word that my people, Israel, are to go into captivity. And those who were to go into captivity, in God's description, were the best of the fruit. Strange God. Mm -hmm. But the best of the fruit 
were to go into captivity. You find that in Ezekiel. Now he says in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Hello. (laughs) So that what God has spoken will be accomplished. Cyrus is sitting on the throne. He had no clue what God had spoken. Chief, he wasn't there when God spoke it. How do I know the word was spoken 70 years earlier? Yes. There are some words God has spoken concerning you before you were born. But God, watching over his word to perform it in order that his word might come to pass. He will stir up some things so that people will walk in obedience and fulfill his word. People, are you getting this? We serve the living God. He he says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. It is he who is watching over his word to perform it. According to Philippians 2.13, he says, well, it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He says, so that the word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah, might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. And when he stirred up his spirit, this is what he began to do. So he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And he also put it in writing, saying, This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. All the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given to me. Did he know him? No. I'm bringing us to a place. The God we serve, the God of the word, we have to stop doubting him. We have to understand. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does as he pleases. He has power to accomplish. He can turn nations over their heads. So when we step into the arena of worrying and worrying and worrying and taking plans to execute our own agenda, we are missing a serious point. In other words, we are questioning his character. He commanded. He says he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah. A heathen king. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him. So he is saying he is not my God. May his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And anyone who will not go, give your money. Turn to your neighbor. Say, friend, because of me and because of the word of God concerning me, 
You must obey God. Reverend, because of some people whom God loves, He chose you. Because of some people, because of some people, God loved them so much, He says, I will use this instrument. He will walk before me, He will obey my word, He will respond to me so that I will bless those people. Can we check it out from Scripture? Where is that scripture, Queen Sheba? When he came to visit Solomon. Where is it? Bible students, talk to me. Osafo has forgotten, so you tell me. Hello. Give me the Chronicles account. Not the Kings. The Chronicles account. It is in chapter 9. Which of the chapter 9's? And start from verse 4. <laughs> Thank you. No, 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 no. No, 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 It is the number 2 chronicles. Yeah. And when she saw the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, their apparel, and the entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Hello. Verse 5, and he said what? Then she said to the king, It is true, the report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe them (laughs) Uh, until I came and I saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You exceed the fame of which I heard. Hello? Look at this. It says, happy are your men and happy are your servants who stand continually before you to hear your wisdom. Then listen to this. This is a heathen woman. Heathen woman. She says, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on His throne. Tell your neighbor, the place where God has made you occupy does not belong to you. It belongs to God. But God wants you to represent Him. People, you may address me as apostle. That is what I am called to be. But I am apostle because the place where I stand belongs to God. Are you getting this? When I have understood that, I can't walk in pride. Because the place where I am, it belongs to somebody else. The throne I will sit on, it belongs to somebody else. The words I must speak, it belongs to somebody else. I am only an instrument picked by God's sovereign will and saints. 
So wherein lies the pride? Wherein lies the arrogance? Wherein lies the pomposity? Every pomposity is painful. Fanjini wahana. Se pompo ya yao. Nanyin, nanyin, nanyin. Setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God. Because your God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore, he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. This is the foundational principle for all ministry. What God wants... Chief, your name, sir? Fred. So, Officer Fred. God wants to love Brother Quarty through you. Hello. So, he would influence you to do something in Brother Quarty's life. When you resist, that is disobedience. Hello. I don't think I hire sir. Are we getting this? So, husbands, where are you? Husbands! 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 Okay, wives! Good. God wants to love your husband through you. And God wants to love your wife through you. Your accusations... Blame finding and everything will take you nowhere. Mm-hmm. 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 Because he delighted in your husband, he made you his wife. Because he delighted in your wife, he made you her husband. Hello. That you might be husband for him. Hello. Thank you. Gloria is on the ball. People, are we getting this? So the whole principle of obedience is to respond to a heavenly operation and be an expression of that heavenly will. What did Jesus say in the garden of Gethsemane? He began praying and said, Not as I will, but what you will. He says, When I consider the cup that I'm about to drink, the humiliation, I who have known no sin, no filth, but on account of them, on account of them, I have to drink it. If it were possible, this whole thing is extremely repulsive to me. Yet, despite the repulsion, despite the abominable taste I feel in my mouth, despite the way my skin and my being is crawling in sin, and I, I can't handle this. Lord, if it is possible, let this cup of degradation pass from me. Yet, not as I will. But as you will. And he prayed it three times. 
So when it happens that there is an issue we have to tackle, and then the slightest fire, small pepper, they say, oh, it is me. It's too much. It's too much. As for me, I can't do that. No, 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 no. As for me, this is how I am. Everybody says, who says, as for me, this is how I am. Watch that person carefully. You know what it means? He says, as for me, me and I can you. As for me, this is how I am. Me and me, I'm a the man I'm a This is how I am. You are saying, God has not prepared you for change. That's what you are saying. As for me, this is how I am. No. Everybody is somewhere before he picked us. But every one of us he picks, he picks because he's taking us to another place. He brought us out that he might take us in. This is it. So you are on a journey. A journey of change. A journey of intimacy with him. A journey where you allow him more and more to express himself through you. Please go back to Chronicles chapter 9. Setting you on his throne. Because your God has loved Israel. You see, this is what David understood. Why he didn't kill Saul. Why when Absalom was staging a coup d'etat in his house, he left the throne. Because David understood that the throne did not belong to a man. You were only a regent... A liege made to sit on the throne for somebody else. You hold the throne in trust. So according to 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, he says we are bearers, stewards of the mysteries of God. People, your life should come to the place where you are so filled with the life of God And increasing in the life of God, when somebody encounters you for 10 minutes, they should go away wondering, what did I just encounter? Whether you preach to them the Bible or not, the moment they engage with you, they should, I I have touched something. This, This human being is different. Because you are full of a certain life. That has been my prayer for a long time. I said, God, if I met somebody, and if that is the only time the person would have to make connection with you, what do I say? How do I say it? What do I do to the person? May that short encounter, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, forty minutes, that time, let something shift. That is my prayer. Ephesians chapter 4, from the verse 4. There is what? Please read it. There is what? And one, just as you all are called in what? And of your calling, verse 5. One, 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 and one. 
and father of who is through and so God is working through disobedience is resistance to his work through so the principle of obedience is the principle of the kingdom of God and the principle of disobedience is the principle of the kingdom of darkness Proof, Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the sons of what? It's a spirit, it's a spirit, it's a spirit. Hello. So when you keep on saying, ask for me, ask for me, ask for me, you forget that you are there because God has a purpose. And don't forget, I stand before you in all humility. That once upon a time, I was but a tiny boy whom God called. I walked through places. I walked through times. And without shame, I can tell you that because of the grace of God, once upon a time, my shoe was air-conditioned. You didn't hear me. I will repeat. My shoe was air-conditioned. When you step, the shoe will breathe. When you raise your leg, it will breathe. There were holes in the corners. Air-conditioned shoe. Has that changed the call upon my life? No! Has that diminished the word of God in my spirit? No. So do not let circumstances that your eyes see today affect who you are inside. It is God who has called. It is God who has ordained. It is God who has a purpose for your life. And here is the news that every word he has spoken concerning you in order that that word might be fulfilled. Whether it is 70 years old, it is 80 years old, it is 130 years old, 2,000 years old. That in order that it might be fulfilled, he will stir some things up in some people and in yourself. So that the word will be fulfilled. Let's take another example. First Kings in chapter 18. Go to the verse 35. So the water ran all around the altar and also filled the trench with water. 
And it came to pass in the time of the evening offering sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, one, let it be known today that you are God. May your life, may your life, let it be known that he is God. Two, That I am your servant. Three. That I have done all these things at your word. You know, Ghana has been plagued with a, a strange prophetic ministry. That has resulted in the derailing of the faith of some people. They say... I am a prophet. Prophets, dear, when you speak anything, God will bring it to pass. I'm sorry, it's not true. It's not true. So they cite Elijah. That Elijah went to Ahab and said, There shall be no rain except at my word. They didn't finish reading the scripture. Because here, now the scripture says, let it be known that all the things I have done, it was because you commanded me. That's what he was saying here. I did it at your word. Verse 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That these people may know that you are the Lord and that you have turned their hearts back again to you. This is the import of prophetic ministry. Hello? This is the import. Proof. Hold it here. Don't refer to any other scripture. Alright? Jesus Christ later on is preaching when he was around. And he begins to speak about John the Baptist. And it is recorded that John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. But John the Baptist never raised one dead. He never worked one miracle. Except baptized Jesus Christ and a dove spoke out of heaven. Except that. John the Baptist cannot be accredited with any miracle. But Jesus said, of all men born of women, John is the greatest. And he is described as having come. In the spirit and the power of Elijah. The key to the spirit and power of Elijah lies in the chapter 1 of Luke. Where he began speaking. And he shall turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers. The hearts of the foolish to wisdom. He shall bring a reconciliation between the rebellious and their father. That is the ministry. So all the signs, all the wonders... Every prophetic word, whether it is or ha ha ha, whichever way it is, it must result in hearts turned to God. If that does not happen, you have missed it. People, are we getting this? If my standing here does not cause your heart to burn and want to go to God, I have missed it. The ultimate is that in this time, your heart must turn 
From the circumstance you are in, your heart must turn. From the people you depend on, your heart must turn. From the fears that have bound you, your heart must turn and latch on to God. Then you become a child of God who knows the Father. Verse 38. Then fire of the Lord fell and consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the strange. What was the effect and the result? Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. They said what? This is it. Your life should bring people to acknowledge who is God. May it never be said concerning you that, oh, this person too says they go to church. May it never be said concerning you. It might have been said before. People may have ridiculed your faith before. They may have ridiculed your character before. But this is a new day, my brother. This is a new day, my sister. You are now going to acknowledge that I am a container of the living word of life. I am a container and an expression of the person of Jesus. I am no ordinary person. To fulfill his word, you just obey that word. I will repeat, this is not a case. And I say this very carefully, Apostle. It is not a case of don't lie, don't fornicate, don't drink. No, it's more than that. If it is those things, then there are other people who are doing better. People, are you listening? But when it becomes a case that I carry a heavenly substance, I have been made a container of an expression of the creator of the earth. I am made a messenger to take his mind, his will, his delight to a people. Watch how you walk. Every pregnant woman is careful how they walk, what they eat, because of the child they are carrying. So when you are pregnant with the things of God, you watch how you behave. In this, brethren, I would want to challenge your faith. I said it at some point that obedience is the twin brother of faith. Another functional word for faith is trust. If reverend gave me his word and I don't know him but he gave me his word because I heard my brother mention him as reverend and I meet him and I say oh rev he says oh what are you doing here and I tell him what I'm doing he says wait for me I will do A, B and C for you because of him and because of where we met I will place some confidence 
in him, even though I don't know him. But when I wait and he goes and finishes what he says he would finish and comes back and tells me, what is it? This, it has been done. A, B, C, D. And it is finished. He shows me the finished product. My level of trust would increase. Tomorrow when I hear him saying in a more difficult situation, wait for me, what do you think I will do? I will wait for him. People, are you getting the picture? So whilst he is carrying integrity, my faith, my trust is increasing. So scripture says, without faith, without trust, it is impossible to please God. So when the songwriter wrote, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. So trust and obey. For there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. So Hebrews 11, chapter 17, what did he say? So Abraham, when he was tested, turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, you will be tested. I too will be tested. Just like Abraham was tested. But my test will be different from yours. And your test will be different from mine. So Abraham, by faith, by trusting, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he, who had received the promise, offered up the only begotten son. Why? Because God says, go and sacrifice him for me. If it is today. Woe betides Abraham if he tells anybody. I'm sure if he told Papa, you say, uh, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you say, where are the doctors? Please examine him. He offered up Isaac. Verse 18. Of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. This word, this word, Abraham held it. He said, This is the one you promised. Okay. You said I should offer him. Okay. After all, I was 99 years old. Sarah was 90. John Hopkins University says it's not possible for a 90-year-old woman to conceive, according to all the research papers. So, okay. 99-year-old man. The royal spear was not functioning. Verse 19. This is the word I want you to keep in mind. What is that word? 
No, just the first word. What? What does conclude mean? So, what did he conclude? What did he consider before he concluded? People, are you getting it? When we walk in faith, it does not mean John, 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 John. He said John. Then you are just you weigh some things. What do you weigh? You weigh the character of the person who called you. You weigh the ability of the person who called you. So he weighed and examined God's character. He looked back at how God had led him. The times when it was hopeless. The times when he knew he was good as dead. The times when he knew Sarah had nothing to offer. The times when he himself knew there is no way I can give that to another son. All those times he saw God come through every single time. He says, I conclude that this God that I have come to know, he has power. He has ability. And therefore, even when I have sacrificed the boy, he is able to raise him from the dead. Therefore, I will obey him. He concluded. He concluded. So, he did that. Back up to verse 9, 10, 11 of the same chapter. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise according to, uh, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the promise. Where were they? They were in his loins. For he waited for the city, whose foundation and builder and maker is God. Then the verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received what? Received what? To do what? And she bore a child when she was because when a judge, is there any judge here? Any legal person here? Please. Pardon. Where are you? Oh. <laughs> Chief, no wonder you are looking at me like that. <laughs> Good. So before you make a judgment, you weigh the case. You examine the various situations. And you think through deeply. And you check it against the law of the state. And previous examples. And what precedent there has been. And if there is no precedent, you look at other circumstances to make your determination. And finally, you come to a judgment. And you write your judgment. Sarah. She doubted God earlier on. And God did not condemn her. <laughs> she did certain things. All of those things she began examining and examining and examining. And finally she came to the place where that fateful afternoon when Abraham was sitting outside and three men came. Then they said, where is Sarah your wife? Sarah was in the tent. He said, in the tent. And they said, in a year's time, Sarah would have a baby. And Sarah had it. Then Sarah, Bible says she laughed within herself. How do you laugh within yourself? (laughs) 
She laughed within herself. Abraham did not hear. But all of a sudden, they said, why did Sarah laugh? Then you see, naturally, she responded. <laughs> he says, I did not laugh. <laughs> then he says, but you laughed. <laughs> and all of this was going on within herself. And Abraham was standing there confused. <laughs> Why did Sarah laugh? Sarah. Then Sarah says, then he says, but you laughed. What is, what is going on? <laughs> then God asked the question. Is anything, is anything too hard for God? You see, that child of promise was to be established that he was not of a natural birth. Everything natural had to be broken to show that this is divine. So her ability to conceive naturally when she was beautiful, young, all the way up till she was 70 years old, it would not produce baby. When she had given up on herself, that look, this one I accept. Nothing, nothing can make me give birth. I give up. So you go and take Hagar. Hagar means wandering. Wander away from the purposes of God. That is not what we are called to do. He says, you go and take Hagar. He took Hagar and produced a man of God, Ishmael, who has become trouble and battle today. Mm. She weighed all of that. Weighed every one of that. Checked all of it. And said what? He is what? Faithful. He is faithful. Every promise he has made, he is faithful. When I thought he could do nothing, here he comes. And the language that they spoke was, I will return. That word in the Hebrew applies in several different ways. But one of the prominent applications is that I will restore. I will restore your ability that is gone. The ability to conceive, I will restore it. I will give you a womb that can conceive. I will give you a breast that can give sack. I will give you strength so that you can carry term. For nine months, you will carry a child. And at 90 years, when your skin is wrinkled, but your womb is fresh. So whilst you are 90, your womb is something else. Because it's another dimension of life. She says, you judge him faithful. So that the purpose of God. So in the Hebrews here, Sarah herself by faith, after the rebuke, she repented. And then this was when Sarah decided to trust God. We often talk about Abraham's faith. But Sarah's faith for a woman is shining bright. So you have Rahab, a prostitute. No reputation. And a Gentile. No place in Israel. But one thing she had. She kept on hearing about the testimonies of the mighty God's act. When they crossed the Red Sea, the reports came. For as a prostitute, men came with their report. When they had satisfied themselves, they talked. So what is going on out there? And they will talk. 
Say, really? And then somebody else will come. So what is going The people who cross, they are here now. And, this is re- and the people who cross, there is a pillar of fire above them. And at night, they, it gives light everywhere. In the daytime, it's a pillar of cloud. And I tell you, the people are terrible. When you see them sitting down, they are just there. Every morning, they wake up and go and gather something to eat. They call it manna. But when you see them, they are always healthy. Strong people. And the reports kept coming. And the reports kept coming. And the reports kept coming. And she, as a Gentile and a prostitute, kept on saying, the gods we serve are no gods. This is the God that must be served. I wish I knew this God. I wish I knew this God. Then one day, one day, one day, Brother Cordy <laughs> and, and Reverend, they, they, they got there as spies. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Are we getting it? They got there. And in getting there, they said, oh, you are the people with that great God. Come, let me hide you. So hit them. Then she says, let me tell you something. Because of the testimonies we have heard about your God and you, all the men in town have become faint-hearted, discouraged, and fearful. Everybody is trembling and shaking. But you, make me a promise. The word that they had experienced, they said, declare it to me. Hello, declare it to me. Let me connect with that word. So they connected. He says, we will covenant with you that our God now will be your God. The one we hold on to, the one who sent us will be your God. If only you keep your side of it. He said, hang this red string out of your window. And when we come, everyone who is in your house will be saved. But if you tell our matter to anyone, how does a prostitute convince the family of the father and of the mother and of the brothers how to come into her house without telling them the business and making sure that they are there when the walls come down? You have to have a certain lifetime transformation. Something about Rahab must have changed that made them visibly say, ah, what is happening to our sister? Oh, come, come, come to my home. The time when she had no time. She says, look, I have visitors. Go, 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 go. Now she says, come, let me cook you some food. Stay here. No, what do you need? I can make you some dress. Every say, hey, our sister has changed. When the walls came tumbling down, she and her household, because of that act of obedience, what happens? Now Rahab is listed. When you read Matthew and look, she is listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Hey! And you say your genealogy, your family you come from, they, we, we, we don't have a name, we don't have class. Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother was also... Hello! Not once, not twice, but three times. After Rahab, then there was who? Ruth. Moabites woman. Children of Moab. They are products of incest. After that, David, 
goes and takes Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and produces Solomon. Hello? People, are you getting this? I am saying to you, turn your eyes from where you came from. Turn your eye from where you came from. Begin to look at what God has called you to be. And rise up to that. Because every time we turn to what our eyes, where we came from, we would only diminish ourselves. And when we diminish ourselves, we are saying, God, you have made a mistake. You, you didn't judge right. So I, I'm not the person to call. But you are the person he has called to fulfill his purpose, to accomplish his will. Inside of your spirit, he has breathed the breath of his word. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Lord God and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And he said, let there be. It was not the sun. Hello. It was not the sun. He said, let there be light. And there was light. When you check the record, the sun was created later. So he created the sun to rule the day. So there are two levels of light. The natural sun, but there is another day. The day of the life by the word. So Jesus Christ, as he walked the earth, he said, when he was tempted of the devil, he said, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Several years ago, the first time I ever entered a courtroom, my family was battling with a very notorious relative, forging papers all kinds of things and my mom had been complaining and trying to tell me the story one day the case moved from Adan our hometown to Accra so I decided to go without telling her I was coming I sneaked up found the hall the court and sat in the back and watched our lawyer he says my lord and, the, and he would cite the case. Then the judge said, What is your authority? Is that the expression? He says, What is your authority? And for a moment I was wondering. What, what, that was my first time. I said, ah. And he says, And he was flipping the books. And then it dawned on me. He said, I get your point. Just quote me an authority in law. Hello, in law, there is an authority to be quoted. How much more in the realm of the spirit? In the dynamic where it is word that has created everything. When the believer doesn't know the authority upon which he stands, how do we function? Give me six minutes.
I want you to take these things in your notes. Obedience deepens your identity. Obedience deepens your identity. Obedience sharpens your discernment. For the more you are pressing in to obey, the easier it becomes for you to distinguish that which is of God and that which is not of God. According to Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14, He says, strong meat is for those who by reason of use. Hmm? Let's go on to the 13. To the 13 and 14. Everyone who partakes in milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. But, 14, strong meat, solid food, belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Obedience sharpens your capacity to discern. Obedience generates personal transformation. The whole process of your obedience changes some gears in your mind. It changes gears in your mind. When the word of instruction is given, you make adjustments inside. You shift your position internally. And then you align yourself to the word and the instruction. And you start carrying it out. So by the time you have repeatedly adjusted yourself, your character, which is based upon your choices, gets transformed. A drunkard is called a drunkard because repeatedly he chooses drink. A smoker is called a smoker because repeatedly he chooses the faggot. A thief is described as a thief because he repeatedly he takes that which does not belong to him without asking. When you regularly obey the word of God and you keep doing that as a practice, as a lifestyle you become one who is an obedient person to God and everyone who obeys God releases more of his life more of his power and his strength into that person case closed So that there are certain battles, spiritual battles, you don't have to fight simply because you obey. Let me show you that. Maybe I'm running ahead of myself, but let's share it. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, from the verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are what? Not carnal, but they are what? Mighty through God. To the pulling down of what? Strongholds. 
What are the strongholds? People. So we have strongholds in our villages, yes. We have strongholds in our cities, yes. And there is some whitewashed stone somewhere, yes. No. Those are not the strongholds. Look. It says, casting down what? This one says what? Arguments. So, is there an idol in your village called Arguments? Maybe the name of the idol is called Arguments. People, are you getting it? And every high thing that does what? Against what? Where is knowledge found in you? In your heart. So the exhortation of knowledge against God will be here. The Amaga, what knowledge does he have? Talk to me. The Amaga, what knowledge does it have? It has no knowledge. But knowledge will be displayed in you. So when something exalts itself against all the knowledge of God, it will be in you. Your arguments will be in you. Your imaginations will be inside of you. So when you are obeying, you overturn every one of those arguments and exaltations of knowledge and you bring them to line up with the purpose of God. It says bringing every word. Is there a demon called thought? Into what? To the obedience of... Hello? So when you win the battle of that war inside, demonic battles are easy. Stop giving credit to demons. I repeat, stop giving credit to demons. They don't deserve it. Even when it is a demon who has done it, I won't give him credit. When you give them attention and give them credit, then hey, I won't give him credit. Why? Because if God allowed it, I'll give God credit. The God who decided to send his son through such a shameful activity would not sit down. Would not sit down. Would not sit down. Would not sit down, not sit down and watch for me to be humiliated and manhandled by demons. He won't. He won't. He won't. I am much too precious to him. He won't. He has an agenda in me that he is watching to make sure I fulfill. Therefore, when I am sick, he would heal me. When somebody troubles me, he would defend me. He won't. He won't. He won't. I know who I am. I know who I am. Your obedience will bring about transformation of your personal life. Deep transformation. Case in point, you remember Naaman, the Syrian general who had leprosy. Leprosy is the product of spiritual pride. I'll say it again. Natural leprosy in the body, natural leprosy, is not a product of spiritual pride. It is what? A germ, is that right? Or a virus? Something like that. Either it's a germ, virus, bacteria, something. Okay. But when you check the record of people who have suffered leprosy in the scripture, the instances scripture mentioned, you always find pride there. King Uzziah, out of arrogance, was what brought about his leprosy. Miriam, out of arrogance was brought about her leprosy. 
Naaman, we didn't think he was arrogant and prideful until he was confronted by the word of God. When he was told a simple instruction, go and wash in the water seven times, the Jordan. Then his pride stood up. What? Me? Go to the Jordan? Are there not better rivers? And he begins an argument. Then one of his servants came to him and said, "Eh, Officer, Papa, I beg. If the man of God had told you to do something more difficult, would you not have done it? But now he says, just go and wash seven times. He hasn't charged you. He hasn't insulted you. We are all here. It's simple. To obey, he had to change his mind. When he changed, he went to the water. One, two, five, six, seven. When he came out, Bible says, and his skin was restored. Not like a grown man, but like a little boy. So the skin he got at the end was better with than what he went into the water with. His whole skin became different. After that, the proudful, arrogant man went to the prophet. He says, man of God, I have seen that there is no other God anywhere. So, please, take clothing. He says, no. Take money. He says, no. He says, if you won't take, then can I ask for something? He said, yes, ask. He didn't ask for anointing. He, he, he didn't ask for a bottle of oil. Hello! He said, the soil you stand on, where you stand to connect with your God, give me soil. Soil. So when I go to my country, I also will stand on it to pray to God. Hello. Transformation. Your obedience can change a nation. You didn't hear me. Your obedience can change a nation. When unbelievers are running the red light and believers too are running the red light, what is the difference? In closing, Daniel had three friends. Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah. Popularly known, Meshach, Abednego, and what? The king said, this is my command. They said, we will not obey. So the king says, kill them. Hit the fire. So they gathered the people. Bound them in their own clothing. In their turbans. And they took them to the oven. Public spectacle. The men who were carrying them. After they managed to throw them into the fire. All of a sudden, they could not retract their steps. The fire killed them. Evidence of the intensity of the heat. The fire killed them. Then, the king, I don't know what he was waiting for and how long he waited. Because you, your soldiers who had gone to punish the people, were already dead. They barely could scream. They died at the mouth. And the ones you have thrown in, what did you expect? That if those who were outside died, then those who are inside must be dead. But lo and behold, the fire became a strange fire. 
a selective fire. You understand? And the fire chewed off the thing that they had used to bind them. Left their hair. Left their clothing. And they became three free men walking in the fire. But because of their obedience, there was a manifestation. A revealing of the one whom they obeyed. The word of God. So he manifested himself in the fire with them. And the king said, did we not put three men in the fire? But I see four men walking loose. And the image of the fourth one is like the son of God. Where did he know it from? Where? When we obey, we manifest Christ. When we obey, in the heat of the fire, his glory shows forth. Now, there was trouble because nobody could go and get them out of the fire. They were having a fire conference. Maybe one day you start having fire conference. We bring Elijah and the three of them. They were having fire conference. But you see, they thought fire would destroy them. But thank God, our God is the consuming fire. Fire past fire. Eh? Our people from the far east, they will say, you, you understand? Stone, stone past stone. Something there, something top. Lo and behold. <laughs> How do you say that? <laughs> so fire was passing fire. Now the whole king, Nebuchadnezzar, he went close, as close as the heat would allow him, and raised his voice and said, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, please come out of the fire. So the three <laughs> stepped down. It must have been a beautiful catwalk. Out of fire. The scene we see, the movies we see, with Sylvester Stallone walking away from fire, it is cheap. This one is the real deal. <laughs> you understand? This one is the real deal. They came out of the fire. Come, come, come. And they were talking. We don't know what they were talking about. I would have loved to listen to their conversation. And they stepped out. When they came, they were looking. I am sure they were not sure whether they were now spirit, dangerous spirit. So everybody would be <laughs> and, and watching. Finally, they came close. When they came, they examined. Their hair was intact. Their clothing was intact. They smelled their clothing. What a fire. Not even the smell of fire was in their clothing. Hair is the first thing to burn on the body when you get close to heat. But it was not zinged. Then immediately, because of their obedience, the king issued a decree. He said, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver his servant, who trusted in him. Hello? Who trusted in him? May you trust in God. And in your trust, may God prove himself in your case. Your obedience would result in a blessing for an entire nation. 
Every time we look at the blessing in terms of my personal immediate need, we miss it. We miss it. Then he said, Therefore I make a decree. Anyone, any nation in my realm who would speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Death. What kind of evangelism is that? People, are you getting it? This is why I believe that it is right for us to go on one-on-one evangelism. But it is more powerful for us to live the life and manifest. Folks will begin to see you. They will follow you and say, I see see that uh, there is something unique. Please, uh, I know you can help me. Please, please, just speak to me. Praying at the beach. Shooting range. Nine o'clock at night. Thieves who were in the bushes. I was there with my wife and another lady. Thieves in the bushes. They always come and rob people. We had gone to pray. Then all of a sudden, one of them came out and said, Bruh, bruh, I was naturally suspicious and cagey. So I was ready to flex my character scheme. You understand? The little that I had left. You understand? I had given it up, but I was ready to do something. So I, I, I took a stand. <laughs> and he came and said, Bruh, bruh, please, please. Uh, we, we are seeing something about you. Please pray for us. I said, what are you seeing about us? He said, people come here every time to pray. But there, there are some people walking with you. We wanted to rob you. But my people are afraid. Nobody wants to come close. I told them, these people, they, they really know God. So let us rather go and ask. We don't want to steal anymore. So in the sand, that nine o'clock, He said, pray for me. People, at that time, in 1988, I did not know what I had. Do you understand? I did not know. But from that time, I said, "Mm, something uncommon. When the coup occurred in 1981, at Flagstaff House. I had been locked out of traffic. I needed to get to where I had to go. Soldiers were arresting people all around. I had nowhere to go. So I remembered that my friend, evangelist doctor Ampia Kufi, their house was there. So I decided I'm going there. So I was walking. I was wearing some big bowler white shirts. Not this slim fit. So I was going, quite in the night. When I got there, the barracks here, somebody said, Bra, Bra, baby, I will come. And you, ni a woman, the young crop of a honor, me pauchao, baby, be for why, or multiple Right at that time, a pins go with soldiers. 
The others I was walking with scattered. They stopped, caught them. And I stood there. Run. You know what my mind was saying? If you run and they shoot you in the back, they will have reason to say, if you want to shoot me, shoot me in my front. So I stood. They caught everybody else. Packed them and left. So I continued walking. Past the back. Past the back of broadcasting house. Down into Kanda Estates. I knocked on the door. By the time I was knocking on the door, it was 8.15. When I knocked on the door, they thought soldiers had come. I said, who is there? They used to call me Pope. I said, oh, it's Pope. I said, where did you pass? I said, oh, just here. They knew what was going on. I did not. God protected his own. Through that time. People, are you listening? Are, are you listening? We were in South Africa. I want to finish this with you. We were in South Africa. My friend who came here last time, Fifi. My wife. We were driving. 80 kilometers an hour. And then our driver. Passed out. Behind the steering wheel. 80 kilometers. I was sitting right behind the driver. And kept on looking like this. I said, why are you not looking on the road? Not knowing something was doing here. Right at that time she passed out. She turned the steering wheel up the ramp. When I saw what was happening. Because my brother, my wife, they were dozing. I said, in the name of Jesus, stop the car. The passed out woman, the car stopped. The engine was running. I got out of the side. When I checked the car, it was still in gear. Her foot was on the accelerator, but the car wouldn't move. People, are you, are you getting it? So I pulled the car out of gear, pulled the handbrake, and turned off the engine. No pause. Say, hey, God, three Ghanaians with one South African, where will we take this pass? We were like madmen with one woman along the road. We were speaking in tongues. After 15 minutes. Grew up all over. After half an hour, says, Where am I? Where am I? What is going on? Fifteen minutes later, ambulance came. Here am I having to drive in South Africa. They drive on the right. Ambulance. She going the wrong way. Hey. People, when God has an agenda for your life, hear this one and hear it good. You potentially become immortal until you finish your assignment. God bless you. <laughs>